Thank you for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We are now continuing with Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Shulman. Hi, this is Roy Shulman, and welcome again to Jesus, the promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the fulfillment, the full realization of the of Judaism in the Catholic Church and her sacraments, the fruition of it, the flowering of it, the blossoming forth and spreading over the whole world, doing what Judaism was always intended to do, which was to bring our Redeemer, our Savior, the Savior of all of mankind, known within Judaism as the Jewish Messiah, to the whole world, to every nation on earth, to every peoples on earth, to every person on earth, in order to reunite man with God and bring mankind into heaven. Boy, I've just summarized everything I'm about, so I could hang up now. No, we have a show today, and today is a very, very beautiful feast day. It's the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yesterday, we had the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, And how could I, on Radio Maria, not use this show to talk about and celebrate and pray about the Immaculate Heart of Mary? So there are many, many directions to go in with that. Um, I plan, my plan for the show, so to speak, is to talk a little bit about the origin of the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to talk about the relationship between a devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Fatima apparitions and the prophecies and promises associated with the Fatima apparitions with regard to devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And if time permits, to talk about a miraculous intercession that seems to have come about in the 1880s, saving, saving the world from World War III through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in conjunction with the Fatima, uh, the, the messages that Mary gave at Fatima. So that's the plan for today, and I will simply start. This is a, a live call-in program, and um, the number here is 866-333-MARY, Mary or 866-333-6279. And uh, if at any point you wish to call in with a question or a comment, um, I'll keep my eyes on the call board and, um, with any luck, be in a position to take your call. First of all, one could say that the first reference to the Immaculate Heart of Mary might be in Luke chapter 2. In fact, at the very beginning of the Gospels when the Blessed Virgin Mary and Joseph bring the infant Jesus to the temple for the presentation, for his consecration to God, and for his actually being bought back, so to speak, from God through the uh, giving of um, two turtle doves. And um, anyway, and at the time of the presentation when Jesus and Mary and the infant excuse me, when Joseph and Mary and the infant Jesus were in the temple, of course, they were met by Simeon and Anna, two holy Jews who were waiting for the appearance of the Messiah and recognized Jesus as the Messiah. 
and I will read this short passage from Luke chapter 2. And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's anointed one, the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to thy people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. This uh, prophecy of Simeon, that a sword will pierce through the heart or the soul of Mary, is, uh, of course, one of the seven dollars of Mary, one of the seven sorrows of Mary, and it is the uh, first, maybe it's not the first, but it's it's one of the first explicit references to the heart of Mary. There are other passages, I think, in Luke, where um, several times Mary took these things and pondered them in her heart. So we already see the immaculate heart of Mary. Now, there were uh, there was devotion to the heart of Mary throughout um, the history of Christianity, throughout the history of the Catholic Church, but it really sort of seemed to have flowered, I suppose you'd say in the middle in the early Middle Ages. Saint Bernardine of Siena, who was in the who lived in the beginning of the fifteenth uh, century, is sometimes called the Doctor of the Heart of Mary. And he wrote extensively about the heart of Mary. And his writings about the heart of Mary, in fact, are still used in the divine office, in the nocturnes for the feast of the heart of Mary. And um, then his devotion to the heart of Mary was continued um, in the 17th century. Uh, St. John Eudes um, started to uh, lobby, one could say, to have a feast celebrated in honor of the heart of Mary. And he succeeded in getting that instituted in a number of French dioceses, dioceses. And then it kind of uh, grew from there. St. Catherine Labore with the, um, with the uh, miraculous metal apparitions uh, gave it a strong surge for devotion to the heart of Mary and to the Immaculate Heart, and so forth. And then, of course, that, that was uh, 1830, and the Fatima, when Mary appeared at Fatima, numerous times she made reference to devotion to her Immaculate Heart. And I will get to those comments in just a moment, those comments of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I, I should speak more respectfully. But um, let me, since I mentioned St. Bernard, well... Since I mentioned the readings for the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I mentioned the ones that were introduced by St. Bernardine of, of Siena. But let me read the one that is in 
today's actually um, Novus Ordo Breviary for the feast. And this one is from St. Lawrence Justinian, who was a bishop. Mary stored up all these things in her heart. While Mary contemplated all she had come to know through reading, listening, and observing, she grew in faith, increased in merits, and was more illuminated by wisdom and more consumed by the fire of charity. The heavenly mysteries were open to her, and she was filled with joy. She became fruitful by the Spirit, was being directed toward God, and watched over protectively while on earth. So remarkable are the divine graces that they elevate one from the lowest depths to the highest summit and transform one to a greater holiness. How entirely blessed was the mind of the Virgin which, through the indwelling and guidance of the Spirit, was always and in every way open to the power of the Word of God. She was not led by her own senses, nor by her own will. Thus she accomplished outwardly through her body what wisdom from within gave to her faith. It was fitting for divine wisdom, which created itself a home in the Church, to use the intervention of the Most Blessed Mary in guarding the law, purifying the mind, and giving an example of humility and providing a spiritual sacrifice. Imitate her, O faithful soul. Enter into the deep recesses of your heart, so that you may be purified spiritually and cleansed from your sins. God places more value on goodwill in all we do than on the works themselves. Therefore, whether we give ourselves to God in the work of contemplation, or whether we serve the needs of our neighbor by good works, we accomplish these things because the love of Christ urges us on. The acceptable offering of the spiritual purification is accomplished not in a man-made temple, but in the recesses of the heart where the Lord Jesus freely enters. That was the uh, reading from today's Office of Readings, and it concludes with a prayer, which I will read. Let us pray. O God, who prepared a fit dwelling place for the Holy Spirit in the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary, graciously grant that through her intercession we may be a worthy temple of your glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Amen. God, who prepared a fit dwelling place for the Holy Spirit in the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary, graciously grant that through her intercession we may be a worthy temple of your glory. Amen. Now, I'm just going to add a little a little short commercial here because I I hope... And I believe that a number of our listeners are, in fact, non-Catholic Christians. And uh, lest any be scandalized by asking for the intercessory prayer of the Blessed Virgin Mary to make us uh, a worthy temple of the glory of God, let me point out that in, um, in Judaism, praying, uh, how can I put this, praying for the intercession of the saints is a very venerable tradition. 
And um, if anyone has the great privilege of, of making a pilgrimage to Israel and perhaps going to one of the tombs of the revered great rabbis of the past in Israel, um, one will find there are festival days where there will be literally 100,000 Jews gathered at the tomb of one of the great miracle-working rabbis, that's the Jewish version of a saint, to pray for their intercession. And there are, in fact, um, Jewish rabbi saints buried in the Holy Land that are known for particular intercessions. There is a tomb that you go to if you're unmarried and want to find a spouse. There's a tomb that you go to if you're in a um, not fruitful marriage and unable to conceive a child and you want to conceive a child. The different uh, rabbi saints, we could say, have different specialties in intercession, just like the Catholic saints have different specialties in intercession. And, uh, of course, all of us probably frequently pray to St. Anthony whenever we can't find something. Um, and uh, pray to St. Michael, of course, for, well, that's a different case because he's not a, never mind, he, he's an angel. So that's a totally different case. That's the slip of the tongue. But pray to various saints for various specific forms of intercession. And the Blessed Virgin Mary, being the mother of Jesus, um, certainly is capable of interceding with the full spectrum of uh, petitions. So, uh, coming from Judaism into the Catholic Church, the praying for the or praying for the intercession of saints was not an alien concept at all, and in fact. Um, I don't want to go down too far. I, I, I don't want to, you know, kind of um, open any sore wounds. But I did go to a Protestant seminary for a while, and every morning we were met with in our little mailboxes with requests for intercessory prayer. Of course, we were still alive, but if people who are alive on earth are being asked by good Protestants to please pray, please pray that my wife recovers from her illness or whatever. We'd always be getting those notes every morning for one intercession or another. Well, if on earth we're capable of um, contributing to the outcome by intercessory prayer, why should that stop when we're in heaven? It should be more powerful, if anything, in heaven. Anyway, but that's not the topic of today. topic of today is the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So um, let me uh, jump forward to the Fatima, um, uh, the appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary at Fatima, and her later appearances to Sister Lucia, who was the one of the three visionaries who uh, lived to a ripe old age. The other two died very shortly after the original apparitions in 1917. Not, and... Um, And uh, what the Blessed Virgin Mary said about uh, devotion to her Immaculate Heart, both in the original apparitions and the later apparitions. So, let me... Um, uh, okay. Um, I uh, Forgive me, these may be a little bit out of sequence. Uh, first, let me uh, make a reference to the Blessed Virgin Mary 
requesting the consecration of Russia to her Immaculate Heart, which is, I, I will be reading now from a short description. The consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart was requested by Our Lady on several occasions, beginning in Fatima, Portugal, in 1917. The three children, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta, said that in the apparition on June 17, 1917, the Virgin said to them, quote, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. There we see the explicit reference to her Immaculate Heart. If people attend to my requests, Russia will be converted and the world will have peace. They said that on July 13, 1917, the Virgin told them, quote, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end. This is a reference to the First World War. If people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the pontificate of Pius XI. When you see a night illumined by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given you by God, that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecutions of the Church and of the Holy Father. To prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the Church. The good will be martyred, the Holy Father will have much to suffer, and various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she will be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. Well, well, we have it on no less of an authority than the Blessed Virgin herself, that um, she wishes devotion to her Immaculate Heart, that the peace of the world depends on devotion to her Immaculate Heart, and that um, the triumph of good over evil in the world depends on devotion to her Immaculate Heart. Aren't we blessed to have this feast day today? to stimulate devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I think many of us uh, probably are familiar with the devotion of the first five uh, Saturdays, which is a, a yet another form of devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But I will not go down that uh, tangent right now. So now going into um, later um, uh, apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary to Sister Lucia. Um, let me um, uh, try to do this in chronological order. Um, the key dates of uh, later apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary to Sister Lucia were after the 1917 apparitions, which um, in which she appeared to all three children, are 1925 and 1927. So first of all, on December 10th, 1925, which was the Feast of Our Lady of Loreto, Sister Lucia was in her cell in her convent in Pontevedra, Spain, when the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to her. Uh, she wasn't alone. Jesus was with her 
appearing as a child standing on a luminous cloud. And then Sister Lucia describes the apparition uh, speaking of herself in the third person. So this is a direct quote. Quote, The Most Holy Virgin rested her hand on her shoulder, and as she did so, she showed her... Okay, let me back up. I'm going to put in the name Lucia, because there are too many hers, and it gets a little confusing. The Most Holy Virgin rested her hand on Lucia's shoulder, and as she did so, she showed Lucia a heart encircled by thorns, which she was holding in her other hand. At the same time, the child Jesus said, Have compassion on the heart of your most holy mother, covered with thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment, and there is no one to make an act of reparation to remove them. Then Our Lady told Lucia, Look, my daughter, at my heart, surrounded with thorns with which ungrateful men pierce me every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least try to console me and say that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation all those who, on the first Saturday of five consecutive months, shall go to confession, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the Rosary, and keep me company for fifteen minutes while meditating on the fifteen mysteries of the Rosary with the intention of making reparation to me. So that is, in fact, the first five Saturday devotion that I alluded to earlier. And the conditions of it come, again, from no less of an authority than the Queen of Heaven herself, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Then continuing with what Our Lady said during the apparition, quote, Jesus wishes to make use of you, Lucia, to make me known and loved. He wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. I promise salvation to those who embrace this devotion, and these souls will be loved by God like flowers placed by me to adorn his throne. End of the quote. She promises salvation to those who embrace devotion to her Immaculate Heart. Let us embrace devotion to her Immaculate Heart. In a few moments, or a few minutes probably, I will um, read a prayer of consecration to the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary written by St. Pope Pius XII. And perhaps that's one way. And I will also read or uh, pray the litany to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, I don't think I'll get to the end of what I want to talk about on this show. There's, this is such a beautiful, beautiful topic. Anyway, continuing. When Lucia at that point wanted to know if she was to remain alone on earth, um, Our Lady answered, No, daughter, I shall never forsake you. My Immaculate Heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. Now, let's jump ahead. Um, how long is that? Um, uh, no, it's actually, excuse me, it's, it's only, um, it's two years later. Two years later, the, the uh, 1927 apparition. Um, uh, in describing it, Lucia said the following, Jesus made her hear very distinctly these words, My daughter, write what they ask of you. 
Write also all that the Most Holy Virgin revealed to you in the apparition in which she spoke of this devotion. But for the remainder of the secret, continue to keep silence. Remember, there was a secret of Fatima that Lucia was not to reveal. Um, she wrote it down for the Holy Father. And um, the original plan was for him to reveal it, I think, after 1960. In any case, um, in her memoirs, Lucia explained the following. Our Lady told us in the July secret that God wished to establish in the world devotion to her Immaculate Heart. Our Lady said, Jesus wishes you to make known and loved on... Our Lady said, Jesus wishes you... Lucia, to make me known and loved on earth. He wishes also for you to establish devotion in the world to my Immaculate Heart. Three times her Immaculate Heart was mentioned in that July apparition, also referring to the conversion of Russia and the vision of hell. Our Lady said, quote, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. It is to save them that God wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. Reflecting on the June 17th apparition, Lucia emphasized devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary was essential. Our Lady told her that, quote, her Immaculate Heart would be my refuge and the way that would lead me to God. As she spoke these words, she opened her hands and from them streamed a light that penetrated to our inmost hearts. From that day onwards, our hearts were filled with a more ardent love for the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Before Saint Jacinta was taken to the hospital, she told her cousin, Lucia, you will remain here to make known that God wishes to establish in the world devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Tell everybody that God grants us graces through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that people are to ask her for them, and that the Heart of Jesus wants the Immaculate Heart of Mary to be venerated at his side. Tell them also to pray to the Immaculate Heart of Mary for peace, since God has entrusted it to her. Wow. Okay. This is a very easy job I have today, because what is more beautiful than these direct direct citations, these direct quotes from, from St. Jacinta, from, from Sister Lucia, from the Blessed Virgin Mary herself? Anyway, we have come uh, uh, perilously close to the halfway point in the program. We're just a couple minutes short, and I usually take a short musical break, which I will do now. And one of the reasons for doing that is that it, um, it's a graceful time to receive calls if anybody wishes to call in with a question or a comment. The number here is 866 333 6279, which spells 866-333-MARY. So um, I will uh, queue up the short musical break, and if anyone wishes to call in during that break, I will immediately go to the call board and, and take the calls coming out of the music. And uh, if nobody calls in, I will continue uh, with what I'm doing. So with that, let's um, hear the Salve Regina chanted um, by a small Gregorian religious choir.
was very pleasing to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, wow. The uh, the singers, by the way, are known as their little choirs called Harpa Dei, H-A-R-P-A-D-E-I, which is Latin for the Harp of God. And they have a, a YouTube channel. So if you, if you like them, if you like that kind of music, um, they have many, many hours of it on their YouTube channel. As a matter of fact, on feast days, they usually chant the um, office of the day. Um, anyway, it's a, a, a nice resource if you like uh, that beautiful Gregorian chant. However, uh, there are no calls, so I will um, continue with my uh, the other part of my program for the show, so to speak. We've been talking beautifully about devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I think it's time to exercise some, so to speak. And um, perhaps it would be appropriate to uh, say some prayers. And uh, perhaps I will start with... Um, hmm. Got to, got to uh, 
um, start with the litany to the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is supposedly, um, that's not a nice word, supposedly, it's attributed to St. John Henry Newman, uh, St. John Henry Cardinal Newman, um, but it's an uncertain attribution, so I don't want my salvation to depend on whether it was really he who wrote it. But let, let, let us recite, you know, being a litany, your part is relatively obvious. It tends to be, have mercy on us and, um, and uh, pray for us. Most of them are actually pray for us. The, um, the invocations of Mary are, are followed by pray for us. Uh, you, I know you don't have the benefit of having it in front of you. Um, so I'll say the responses also, but I think you probably, if you're familiar with litanies, will have no trouble saying the responses. So let us begin with a litany to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, attributed to St. John Henry Newman, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Heart of Mary, pray for us. Heart of Mary, after God's own heart, pray for us. Heart of Mary, in union with the heart of Jesus, pray for us. Heart of Mary, vessel of the Holy Spirit, pray for us. Heart of Mary, shrine of the Most Holy Trinity, pray for us. Heart of Mary, Home of the Word, pray for us. Heart of Mary, immaculate in your creation, pray for us. Heart of Mary, flooded with grace, pray for us. Heart of Mary, blessed of all hearts, pray for us. Heart of Mary, throne of glory, pray for us. Heart of Mary, abyss of humbleness, pray for us. Heart of Mary, victim of love, pray for us. Heart of Mary, nailed to the cross, pray for us. Heart of Mary, comfort of the sad, pray for us. Heart of Mary, refuge of the sinner, pray for us. Heart of Mary, hope of the dying, pray for us. Heart of Mary, seat of mercy, pray for us. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Immaculate Mary, meek and humble of heart, 
conform our hearts to the heart of Jesus. Let us pray. O most merciful God, who for the salvation of sinners and the refuge of the wretched has made the immaculate heart of Mary most like in tenderness and pity to the heart of Jesus, grant that we, who now commemorate her most sweet and loving heart, may by her merits and intercession ever live in the fellowship of, of the hearts of both mother and son through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Okay, well, I hope that was good for you. Um, thank you for giving me the privilege of being able to lead that litany. And um, while I'm on the same page, so to speak, I made reference earlier in the show to a solemn act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary that was written by St. Pope Pius Twelfth. So, in our attempt to um, honor and spread devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, let me read that act of consecration. Um, if you wish to look it up, if you simply look online for an act of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary by Pope Pius Twelfth, you'll find it. There, there are many... Um, uh, I mean, many people have written uh, acts of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, so this one is the one by Pope Pius Twelfth. Most Holy Virgin Mary, tender mother of men, to fulfill the desires of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the request of the Vicar of your Son on earth, we consecrate ourselves and our families to your sorrowful and immaculate heart, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, and we recommend to you all the people of our country and of all the world. Please accept our consecration, dearest Mother, and use us as you wish to accomplish your designs in the world. O sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and Queen of the world, rule over us together with the Sacred Heart of Jesus Christ our King. Save us from the spreading flood of modern paganism. Kindle in our hearts and homes the love of purity, the practice of a virtuous life, an ardent zeal for souls, and a desire to pray the rosary more faithfully. We come with confidence to you, O throne of grace and mother of fair love. Inflame us with the same divine fire which inflamed your own sorrowful and immaculate heart. Make our hearts and homes your shrine, and through us, make the heart of Jesus, together with your rule, triumph in every heart and home. Amen. 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 That was very, very, very beautiful. Um, okay, well, I will, I will interpret the lack of calls as uh, the fact that everyone is, is just wants to pray and uh, wants to, um, you know, continue the, the line I'm on. So I will continue, assuming your call doesn't come in. And I do have time, I think, to read um, uh, at least the outlines of this most extraordinary, extraordinary uh, miracle 
um, which which is uh, I'll just read it. I might comment it on uh, as I'm reading it, but the outline of the story is that the Soviet Union was planning a to begin a war, actually a war on Europe, which would have, of course involve the United States, a war on the NATO countries, was planning to start one in 1984, and um, it was stopped because there was a tremendous explosion at the Soviet naval base from which the attack was going to come. And that disastrous Soviet explosion took place on, trumpet blast please, May 13th, 1984. That's the uh, feast day of Our Lady of Fatima, the first apparition day. And um, considering that the Blessed Virgin Mary asked for devotion to her Immaculate Heart to protect the world from the worst ravishes of Russia, then um, it certainly is very suspicious that what um, avoided a what would have been a nuclear war with Russia um, was this unexplained, mysterious, unexpected explosion that essentially knocked out the Soviet naval fleet for a couple of years and stopped them from starting World War III. So let me read the account. The account appears in... Um, Marian Shrines of Portugal, I think is the name of the book. Uh, it's it's put together by Brother Francis Mary Calvillage and is published by Academy of the Immaculata Press, if I'm not mistaken. So here's the account. When the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to the children in 1917, she told them that the current war, World War I, would soon end, but, quote, if men do not stop offending the Lord, it will not be long before another and worse one begins. In order to stop it, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. She returned to make the request on the 13th of June, 1929, appearing once again to Lucia, who by then was a religious sister in Spain, telling her, quote, The moment has come in which God asked the Holy Father, in union with all the bishops of the world, to make the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. Unfortunately, the consecration was not made in time to avert World War II, a fact which our Lord lamented when he appeared to Lucia in 1931, saying, quote, They do not wish to heed my request. They will repent and do it, but it will be too late. Pius, Pope Pius XII made a consecration of the world, partially fulfilling Our Lady's requirements in 1941, as did John the Twenty Third in nineteen sixty, Paul the Sixth in nineteen sixty five, and John Paul the Second in nineteen eighty two, um, and then again in nineteen eighty four. Um, in nineteen ninety two, Sister Lucia tested that quote the nineteen eighty four consecration prevented a nuclear war that was due in nineteen eighty five. Close quote. What follows are details on that averted nuclear war. Um, Quoting from um, this now the uh, Magistère Information, a, a French military journal. Quote, a frightening news item appeared in December 1983 in La Voix des Communes. Quote, Francis Mitterrand, Ronald Reagan, and several European heads of state are afraid that the world runs the risk 
around April or May 1984 of a very serious armed conflict between the USSR and the USA. Uh, Mitterrand is said to have already communicated information of the utmost gravity to Messieurs Chirac and Gistard d'Estaing to be envisioning setting up a government of national unity should a war break out. The vulnerable point in NATO's defenses lay in water separating the Soviet Union from Scandinavia. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip this because I want to get to the end, but they go into some military analysis about how the waters in between um, this northern Soviet Union and Scandinavia are completely undefended by, by NATO powers or ineffectively defended by NATO uh, uh, defenses. And um, they quote, there are blank areas in the overall defensive chain produced by this, these, uh, this water in between um, northern Russia and um, Scandinavia. Uh, continuing with the quote, a Soviet offensive across Sweden in the direction of the coast of central Norway would result in bursting open the hinges, um, quote, the powerful Soviet fleet would then have free access to the open sea, thus directly threatening the United Kingdom and Northern Europe. And in fact, the 2nd of April of that year saw the beginning of the Soviet naval maneuvers in the Norwegian and North Seas, which caught NATO off guard and looked very much like, quote, a dress rehearsal for the scenario of the far north, in other words, this military attack. But thanks be to God on May 13th of that year, remember the dress rehearsal was on April 2nd, on May 13th of that year, the anniversary of the first appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Fatima, the Severomorsk base, the base of operations for the Soviet Union's naval fleet in the region, was put out of action for at least six months by a massive, unexplained explosion. Again, a quoting from the French military magazine, quote, We have been granted a reprieve. In late 83 and spring of 84, the Soviet Union enjoyed a military and ideological superiority and logically could have been expected to exploit this by unleashing some action against Western Europe. Um, it did not do so, and from now on time is not on its side. But this is not a victory for which we can claim any credit. We would be, do better to try to find out exactly what happened. Okay, continuing with what happened. In June of 1984, Washington Information Services issued a report that American observation satellites had detected around mid-May a tremendous explosion in a Soviet Navy munitions depot at Severomorsk near Murmansk in the Kola Peninsula not far from the Norwegian border. At first it was thought that this had been a nuclear catastrophe, but this hypothesis was contradicted by seismological recordings. According to the Pentagon, Soviet forces at that base included a car an aircraft carrier, 148 other surface vessels, 190 submarines, and 425 warplanes. Um, the explosion took place on May 13th, it touched off a series of further explosions which damaged three important zones of the naval base, those housing most of the ground-to-air and ground-to-ground missiles, 
and the one where the conventional warheads for the fleet missiles were stored and the ammunition depot. Three of the six bunkers housing ground-to-ground missiles for Yankee-class submarines suffered damage. The resulting conflagration raged for five days. More than a thousand missiles were destroyed. All of the... um, Well, anyway... Uh, they go into more details about what was destroyed. More than a thousand missiles were destroyed. Human casualties are estimated at least 200 killed and the same number wounded. As a result of the explosion, the Soviet Northern Fleet will be, for all intents and purposes, out of action for the next six months and it will take at least two years for the base to be fully operational again. So... um, I'm, uh, I think that's uh, probably enough to paint the picture. Um, uh, they, I, I, the outline of the scenario, I think, was covered, that the Soviet Union was showing signs that it was about to launch an attack on the NATO countries from this base in um, the Kola Peninsula, where they had an immense, immense naval force and, and uh, 425 uh, fighters also. And uh, they all went up in smoke. They all blew up on May 13, 1984. And that put it out of commission. That, that aborted that plan. Now I'm going to read the conclusion to this chapter written by Brother Francis Mary Calvillich. Quote, the title of this little section is Terrible as an Army in Battle Array. That's a reference to Blessed Virgin Mary. The Severomorsk explosion had an immediate material cause, and it would be interesting to know what this was. Was it a purely fortuitous accident, faulty workmanship, or designing the equipment, negligence, sabotage? But there's no reason why we should not seek elsewhere, and on a higher plane, for the underlying explanation. When the armies of Sennacherib besieging Jerusalem were decimated by a scourge, the inspired author of the second book of Kings did not hesitate to write, quote, And that night the angel of the Lord went forth and slew 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home. Second Kings 19. Quote, it depends on us whether a spiritual force greater than any army ranged in battle order enters the fight. Close quote. This was the possibility offered in that journal last January 15th in a meditation on the Holy Father's message for the World Day of Peace. At the risk of making some of our readers smile, it is our belief that such a spiritual force sent by God went into action at Severomorsk to prevent a war and we have in fact been given a sign to enable us to interpret what happened, namely the date. The 13th of May is linked to the great prophecy of Fatima and to the history of our time, dominated as it is by the gigantic struggle between the woman and the red dragon of chapter 12 of the Apocalypse. And it is through the woman, that is the Blessed Virgin Mary, that our victory will come. End of the chapter. And we know from uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary herself in the Fatima apparitions that in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. So let me close the show by saying we are, I believe, at a critical point 
in the um, unfolding of the history of our country and of the world. We see um, a very strong force arrayed against us, which is trying to draw us into communism, that's trying to draw us into a one-world government, that's trying to draw us into a so-called Great Reset, that is perhaps trying to draw us into a uh, terrible medical catastrophe that could um, affect millions. It certainly looks like the um, armies of hell are ranged against us, and we know we know who is in a position to defeat those armies of hell. It is our the Blessed Virgin Mary, and it is through devotion to her Immaculate Heart. So with that, let me close the show. Thank you for the privilege of having given this show. And uh, please do everything possible to increase devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on your own and on the people for, on the uh, on behalf of the people who you know and love to bring them closer to the Lord and to hasten the day when her Immaculate Heart triumphs. And with that, you've been listening to Jesus the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria with me, your host, Roy Showman. It's time for me to say goodbye. Please join me again next week, same time, same place. And I will go out with um, more uh, chant from that same lovely um, Gregorian chant group that we enjoyed during the intermission in the show. So with that, please join me again next week. Now back to Harpa Dei. Ora arca legem continens, non servitutis veteris, ser gratiae servenie, seret misericordiae. Christo Gestia. <laughs>